Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where our goal is to help you find health and community through movement. I'm Molly Herford, a writer, coach, and yoga teacher. And I'm Peter Glassford, an endurance coach and kinesiologist. Every week, we're talking to athletes and experts who can help you lead your best active, adventurous life. Whether you're a gravel racer, a marathon runner, or you just got out on your first bike ride yesterday, we're here cheering you on. You can also visit us online at consummateathlete.com for coaching information and training tips, nutrition advice, yoga flows, bike skills, and more. And now, let's get into this week's episode. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast and happy 2022. Uh, I was about to say for those of you listening in the future, but oh my gosh, we're in 2022. Yep. I think this is it. This is what it looks like. It is. Uh, Same as 2021 did. So how was your start to the new year and happy birthday? Uh, Thank you. Yeah, no, it was good. Yeah, no complaints. Uh, except for the fact that your wife dragged you out on a 25k trail run. Well, you gotta do something, I guess, right? So there you go. People want to know if I did birthday miles or kilometers, and I said no. But uh, it was good. Am I running decent? I think. You haven't like checked all of your metrics just to try to find one that would sync up with your birthday. Like, did we climb 3,800 oh, meters? No, not or? at all. Although I did say I think it was. Con- it would have been close if you like pretended it was miles then converted it to kilometers and then brought it back to miles then it probably or there's something like that oh i see what you mean yeah. so if instead of doing 25 kilometers you did 25 yeah, miles yeah if you imagine about, if you yeah, imagine yeah. i did 25 miles then you made it kilometers oh or the actually this is perfect the average of our two runs in kilometers right. was your birthday right. well you probably had enough left over i well, guess that's but. what i mean so if anyone wants to know how old peter is you can just do the average of his my his birthday <laughs> the imaginary mileage divided my birthday by. kilometers there we go so yeah we did that and we've had some good rides uh which has been good and yeah pretty low-key in bed started yeah. the new year well you started the new year well. I started the new year very busy. Um, I know there's all this like hype about January 1st being like begin as you mean to go on and all that. But man, if I have to go on like this, right. I don't think I'm making it through a week. Well, we talked a few weeks back about committing to goals and what it meant. So you, you had to go through the holidays doing some bigger preparatory runs. Yeah, between my, I had 20 miles on Christmas Eve, and then this past weekend I had a 50K on Saturday and 20 miler on Sunday. Uh, And on Saturday, I was actually helping uh, launch the Jukebox Cycling Team, which is very exciting. Uh, It has a lot of really cool riders on it, multidisciplinary team, kind of a a new, uh, you know, way of looking at, at cycling and what it means to be a competitive team. So we have, you know, riders like Phil Guyman, who we've had on the podcast way, way back when. Um, here's actually, I think, one of the first guests where I ever actually like went and sat down in person with them to do the interview. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was how to KOM, I believe. Yeah. So if that's part of your goals for this year is to win Strava, then I believe there was some tips there from Yeah. From, from Head Phil. back to that post. Yeah. And then, yeah, a few other riders, Adam Robert, Alexei Vermeulen, Ruby West, Dylan Johnson, Xander Graham. So really fun roster of athletes doing cool stuff so if you head over to to either at jukebox cycling on instagram or jukeboxcycling.com i have interviews and profiles of all the athletes and sort of what they're up to and it's been a really fun project to be involved with Uh, although i could have done without the uh the up at 5 a.m to make sure that all of the launch stuff went off uh smoothly well there you go got someone's gotta someone's gotta make some money here so, and then the other on the, the, I guess in the gravel topic of things, we've got a unbound uh, training plan up in the training peak store. This is going to take you from January 
today. So the I think the third. I think it started early January, through to the you know June, early June race. I believe is when that is. I should know. I made the plan. Uh, and it takes you through. There are you can start sort of whenever, especially if you're in, in decent form. Uh, but that is in the Training Peak store. So it's a bunch of months of training in that direction. There's lots of tips. Uh, I've had athletes who have done the race successfully put in some tips around things like tires and heat preparation and when to go and and this sort of things. So I think I it's that. I think it's a good little package there. So we're yeah. we're gonna have posts on the consummate athlete. But if you also just sort of I think if you Google my name and training peaks plans it probably comes up too or you can just head to consummateathlete.com backslash shop and we'll oh, throw a link in, in the, the show notes there. yeah we have it in our shop so there you go we're going to try and make a few of these uh so if you have requests for certain races to have event plans i certainly take requests but we'll try and do some of these bigger ones yeah and i will say it's in training peaks now but if someone out there doesn't use training peaks and would prefer more of like a pdf or an excel kind of plan molly uh, would be that pleased is- to me <laughs> Uh, yeah, that is something we've been talking about experimenting We've done a little with. bit, yeah. I, I actually really like Excel. I've had to get better at it, uh, or, or Sheets, as it were, uh, over the last year. So, yes, we can do that. Yeah, so that's that's that for housekeeping notes. Uh, yeah, and hopefully everyone had a, a happy, healthy new year and is just feeling feeling good heading into this this coming season feeling a little excited i know well you know we had we had our sunday morning uh chat with all of our consummate athlete coaching clients and we did kind of mention you know we know the world situation is like a little a little scary right now and a little bit kind of questionable for a lot of the bigger races and stuff but i think our our main thing has just been sort of stay the training course right now and don't don't spend too much time sort of stressing about what might happen down the road because if you kind of stray away from your training plan now and things do you know continue and races are happening you're you might not be super psyched that you took two months worrying about it well and i mean and that was you know we try and do these calls once a month uh with clients and you know that was sort of my note to people was you know they're all everyone's pretty good you're all pretty awesome people uh and, and i i say that you know it, meaning that you know you're you're doing what you're doing, all the things you're doing, all the things you have to do and help people and get through this time in the world. Uh, and then we're here talking about biking or running or weightlifting or whatever, whatever you're into. Uh, it's all good. Uh, and, and so it, it's just to me, it's always impressive the stuff that people do, right? They get on the trainer after they've worked all night, right? Or something mm-hmm. like that, right? Or they go and they do strength training and it's a little piece of the day you can control a little bit, right? Which is hard. You, you know, you can, get yourself butt in seat and do that, you know, give yourself, you know, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, an hour, whatever you have. Uh, and then hopefully over time you see some progress, which is also nice to see progress, right? And the progress, I think we have to be careful how we look at progress. It's not always Watts. Uh, we're going to talk about feeling today. Uh, we can talk about skills. Um, I think there's success in just doing it. Right. But I think that's, you know, this idea of like, you are awesome. You know, a big part of that, I think is that, you know, we're, we're able to use our training to, to be that way. I guess is what I'm saying. So I don't know if that made sense, but that was the, the rough message. Yes. And it doesn't matter how good you are in training. You're still awesome regardless. Well, you're probably awesome in a lot of things, yeah. right? But that's that's the idea, right? Is we're trying to use the training process to get better at something. And it's, it's you know, I was writing a bunch of stuff around New Year's resolutions and people who start training in January. And it's the tricky thing is often when you start, it's like, I want to do Unbound uh, versus like be better at gravel riding and and you know, uh, so, you know, rather than being better at gravel racing, you know, someone might set a new year's resolution that they're, you know, gonna win unbound or do something like this. Right. And, and so it's, 
that's okay. I think that could be a step or so along the way. But the the one risky thing is, you know, if Unbound doesn't go well, uh, or you know, the race gets canceled, or you know, any of these things happen, you're sort of left, right? Whereas if you're more thinking long term, and that's a, a piece along there, you know, it, certainly if you do Unbound, you'll probably get better at gravel racing. You'll learn some things. Uh, but we hope that you know the day to day, the week to week, month to month process is is enjoyable in and of, in and of itself even if unbound doesn't happen or doesn't happen in the way that you're, you're hoping that it does, right? There's a lot of variables in that day, uh, pandemic aside. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, in light of this, you know, you're calling this an existential, uh, this a bit of a, an existential. Somehow we got tagged on Twitter, which is whenever Molly says that I'm like, okay, I'm quitting it. (laughs) This is it. I got tagged. Normally you're the one telling me when we have stuff on Twitter, but this time I, I caught it and, uh, some someone was actually asking for uh, advice on motivation on the bike. They were just kind of feeling a little uh, languishy, we'll say. That's maybe the right term for it, uh, as far as desire to get on the bike. And the the joke was, uh, the person said, "I think my coach is about to fire me." N- noting that I am not the coach. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but I think it was a joke. You you told me this was a joke, probably that the person was saying that you know they they they've been I mean, struggling or it's something. It's a thing that I've said a bunch of times about like me and coaches in the past so you're saying maybe they weren't putting comments in or, or something yeah i don't know exactly how it was shaking out okay well you I've, you had some notes what do you what, just in general if someone's struggling with motivation yeah and to to give this person credit they also mentioned that our podcast has provided some some good options for mm-hmm. how to we do have a few motivation. posts in this direction for like cross burnout is a big one i think this was actually a cyclocross type person person like yeah, cyclocross. The cyclocross fatigue is real because everyone goes so excited in the beginning of the season every you know it's cross is coming cross is coming cross is here and then by october you know it's a long season especially if you've had a, a road or a mountain bike or gravel season ahead of it yeah. uh, and by winter when it's getting darker earlier and colder and wetter and muddier it's just it's so intense and people don't train as much because of the intensity of the weekends and then it's also crummy during the week and as you say daylight so people aren't training anymore but they're still going super hard and, and they're just long weekends right especially if you're doing these doubles and everything else so oh and then there's like two days of bike cleaning and maintenance but, well, attached. Well, it's funny i don't uh, we don't have to go too far yet but the it sounds a lot to me like how a lot of people ride the trainer as well every time you get on it you can't just do endurance right you have to do the zwifts so uh, suffer or whatever um and i know this is my drum and i bang it a lot here but the you know you can't go hard all the time. This is, you know, I don't think this is anyone would disagree with that in principle. Um, so I think that's my first thing is always just like with that indoor trainer season is you got to be careful how long you're doing it. I try and put a cap of 90 minutes for most people. And well, then and the intensity, even, you just go easier. We even fielded that question yesterday, sort of talking about Zwift racing. Um, and I think a lot of people treat Zwift racing as sort of just their casual casual ride or workout or whatever, just because it's on Zwift. But it's like, no, you're going often as hard as you would be in a race outside. So it's one like it's totally fine to do a Zwift race, but that has to be accounted for in your training plan. Well, and, and I wondered, too, because someone asked during our, our client session and they said how many races and i mean this is very personal depending on how much you're racing in the season but like i would count the zwift races in the races you do in the season and i mean it only matters so much how many races i think in general people should do but it's probably not as high as you think it should be and i don't know that i would spend my race bullets matches whatever 
during the winter unless I was an e-racer. And these people are out there and, and kudos, right? If you're a fat bike racer, this is the time that you maybe are spending some of these bullets. Like I have people in Alaska doing 100 mile fat bike races. They're spending bullets right now, right? Uh, but there's only so many of those to do. So we have to be careful, right? So, I mean, even if you're struggling, you know, in that fall, you know, season, it's holiday season, it's it's sometimes just you've you've not taken a break and you've been just going, you know, spending bullets and spending bullets and it's time to start building things back up. And and I think we can go back to just the good old standard start really easy zone one, right? Which might be just walking for some people, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I, I direct someone probably to like a Phil Maffetone's original books, um, the Big Book of Endurance, and just do some reading in that direction because it's very health focused and very endurance focused. And I think I would be very surprised if someone went back and started very honestly with that. Um, you know, just the basic diet stuff. It doesn't. Sometimes it gets a little deep into the the whole like low fat stuff, but you know, or high fat. Local. Sorry. Correct. Yeah. Uh, high fat. Whoa there. But I think especially that older book, I think is just really good. Nothing super kooky aside from the fact that you're just staying, you know, pretty easy training for a while. And if you want to see how that has worked in real life, I highly recommend reading Matt Fitzgerald's Iron War, right. which is uh, you hear more fun about, read. So, uh, I mean, it's a yeah, fun read and you yeah. get to hear about how that actually helped uh, Mark Allen eventually win the the Iron War against Dave Scott. So I would say that's where I would take the training. Now that's assuming there's nothing else underlying. Like it is okay to take time off and do something else. Like, you know, go join a gym if that's something you can do or, or just walk or just make sure you're seeing people as best you can. And and that was my first bullet point was just that it's okay to take a break. I mean, everyone's going to run into some motivational walls at some point. And I think at that point you're better to not necessarily try to kick through it i think the first line of defense is almost taking a few days off and just sort of seeing how you feel maybe it's that you're a little overtired or overstressed with everything else in your life or you know maybe you just kind of need a little bit of a break to miss it in some in some I think cases often and often it's it's not as many days as you think right like if you haven't taken like when was your last day off sometimes is a good question because sometimes they, they, no one knows um so that's a good sign but then you know probably three days to a week for a lot of people uh, you'd see a huge resumption and then just don't rush back to testing again, right? We want to be mm -hmm. careful that you just, again, come back to this Maffetone training or base one training or whatever you want to call it. And a week um, off is not going to cost you any fitness. No, and that's you see that a lot where people are holding on to the, their their CTL or their fitness score or you know whatever they think fitness is. Um, there was a lot of discussion in this thread about worry about like their year end stats uh, dropping, which this was this was a couple couple weeks before. <laughs> like especially if this is a cyclocross person, right? Like, geez. Like wait till February or March and then just you know start back with some maffetone training for a couple months. You know, then you'll get into the, it'll be outdoor weather season, you know, do some longer gravel rides. And then July, August, you start thinking more about cross stuff. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think, you know, three, four months you could, <clears throat> if that was the focus, if it was that cyclocross, right? But you have certainly have time. And I think we, we don't abandon, like this is an off season where we go and eat really poorly and, you know, don't sleep. Like I think you, you want to think about your off season as, getting all those foundational pieces back in place, right? So it might be some doctor's appointments or some tryout therapy or, uh, you know, if there's an injury, any of this stuff, blood work, there's yeah, lots to sure. do. If you start adding all that stuff, bike maintenance. Yeah, we can maybe include a link in the show notes to the episode we did about the off season being a great chance to do some of those. And we 
kind of dug into what we think for each one of those things. Yeah, and there's not even enough time. Like you won't a week, you will not get through. No, <laughs> probably two of those things. Right? They're they're pretty big concepts. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing I thought about was just talking to your coach. I think my biggest um, faux pas or missteps in past years with coaches. Apologies to any of my previous coaches who are listening to this. Uh, was not communicating with them about stuff and. You know, I've said it before, I was never great at uploading files and doing all that stuff. And I just hadn't really found a, a training logging system that jived with me necessarily. So that was a big limiter. But I also just would never really communicate with my coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, often out of fear, if I like either missed a workout or just like wasn't feeling doing it or what I, or was like switching workouts around because of like my schedule, I just wouldn't tell the coach. Um, and that was definitely, you know, to my detriment. And I was often paying these people. Yeah. And still. Which is a shame. Like you want to use that coach or, or it could be time to change, right? Like it might just have gotten run its course and, you know, that coach has taken you as far as they have taken you. Right. And, and it might be you need a different approach. Yeah, absolutely. Although I would I would highly recommend having that discussion first mm-hmm. um, because a lot of the time the coach is just completely unaware that you're going through any of these struggles right well if you haven't been posting anything exactly that's what i mean if you haven't been commenting for a month like your coach is probably just like annoyed that you haven't been in touch or just wondering what's going on but uh, you know it's just it's really helpful to just reach out and have that conversation and the conversation might even be that you need a break from coaching and you should just kind of diy like train how you feel for a couple months and sort of well or or take time off for yourself too right sometimes we do need to take that um but it might be too that you have been pushing at intervals and they thought you were getting ready for something sooner or, or something like that. Right. And if they knew all these pieces, they might actually suggest a week off or suggest, you know, more of a traditional base phase too. Right. So mm-hmm. I, I think you're right. Give them a chance to talk it through and, and make a plan uh, for sure. If, if you do have a coach. Yeah. And especially, I mean, I, I don't know the actual particulars of this case, but I've definitely had moments where I've felt super guilty. And the worst thing you can do, honestly, like to a coach is to ghost them i would say like it honestly, i don't know if it's it, the worst thing but it's pretty awkward for sure well, it hurts their feelings to be totally like honest about it. it it just kind of i don't know it sucks well and you worry that something happened to people yeah. too right but yeah some people will keep paying too it's it's the oddest oddest thing it doesn't happen that often but with more often than you would think it happens um yeah just disappear and then you're like did this person you know or, where did they go Yes. So I would say nine out of 10 coaches would prefer at at the minimum, like an email explaining like, hey, I'm just going to have to like pause coaching for a while. Things are just not going, you know, the way I want. And I think I need to clear my head or whatever. Uh, just just get get back in touch with your coach. Yeah. So sure. anyway, that's that's were there any good the, the coaches what, there. in the was there anything mentionable in the, the Twitter thread? Yeah, there were a few things. Um, and one of them, uh, a couple people mentioned sort of that, like finding your why and like your reason to ride. Um, and then there is actually some pushback against that, which I really appreciated the because you hate the why. push and pull. I hate the why. I'm, right. I don't hate the why, um, but I kind of hate the why. I hate that. Sorry, ranting time here. I hate that the why has become this just giant thing this Mm. like we put this why up on a pedestal and you feel like you have to have this grand reason for doing everything or you're not doing it right it has to be this like deep emotional connection which is tough because none of it is you know 
you know, maybe if we're at the Olympics or something, but I yeah, just, none of us are doing anything here important. So I always see. come back to that. You say that though. I come back to this, uh, this one interview with Adam Myerson probably 10, 15 years ago now where he just says, it's just stupid bike racing, but it's everything. Right. <laughs> right. Was, no, I get it. I, I, I'm not saying that it's not important, but yeah, that's a great, uh, that's, that's exactly it. Right. Like it's, there's a lot more everyone's awesome because they're doing amazing things, you know, whatever they're doing, keeping people healthy, you know, helping out relatives. There's a lot of other important stuff in our day. Right. So it's really the why isn't even, I don't know if it's even possible. Right. Like, I just think it's very stressful to have to put the why on it. And if that, like if having your why works for you, then that's amazing. But to, that everyone has to have this deep seated why I think has just really like left a lot of people feeling really stressed and lost and confused as right. to, Oh God, what's my why? Like, right. I was, and some people might, just it might speak the, to them. Sorry. I was just having this conversation with my, my uncle uh, who had stopped by and you know, we were chatting outside and he was like hearing about the hundred miler I'm about to do. And he's like, why would you do that? And I was just like, I don't know. Why not? And that was that. Um, I just I don't think that everything has to have this this just deep meaningful like ah yes well my my great great grandmother had once uh, summited these seven mountains so now I like must do it as this thing or like oh I need to do it because like you know my my kids need to see this like shining example like, that's all well and good but you don't need that in order to want to just ride your damn bike. Right. And probably for most people, it, it comes back to that. It's it's something they enjoy doing, the self-pursuit. Um, for some people, it might be it's very much like I want to do this race. And then you could ask again, why do you want to do that race? But like, at, at least in the meantime, and maybe that's what this comment initially meant was, you know, maybe there isn't an obvious, you know, why in terms of like he's going to race cyclocross next year. So that's why, you know, to get started again. But then I think then, at least if you've picked some of that, some for some people at least, I think probably most people, if there's at least some deadlines on the calendar, we've taken the, the calendar we got for Christmas with the bears on it or whatever's on it, and, and you've X'd out, you know, cyclocross season, and then you've counted back the number of months, I think at least then you can be pretty you know, you, you uh, the purpose of these next four weeks becomes, you know, more obvious, right? It's like, well, the Joe Friel calendar doesn't even go back that far. Why am I even stressing that hard about training, right? I can just go for a walk and do some core training, mm -hmm. go for a yoga class. Yeah. My last thought on the why is if you are struggling with it and you do feel like you want it, uh, I would recommend going back to the episode we did a couple weeks ago and the one with Josie Perry, where we are talking about values. And we actually did a post on values as well. Mm -hmm. So I would check those out because I think sometimes the simplest thing is to just your value is your why. Like, and that's just kind of a simple way to put it. You know, if, if commitment or discipline or integrity with yourself are values, like, boom, that's why you're on the bike. Might help with um, the motivation. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder too, if there's a piece, uh, it just reminded me of that meme that was going around there, which I haven't looked up where that was from, but there was a panda and a dragon and there was a little dragon on this panda. And he said like, is it about the journey or the destination? I think that was essentially it. And then it, the pan, big panda says it's about who? The people. The people essentially. Yeah. So I wonder if, if a piece of this is, is, you know, and I know this is hard because not everything's open completely, but is there a gym class you could go to or a yoga class or a swim or a running group or a cycling group or a spin class or something that would be a bit more social, right? And, and just take the workout and the even the direct focus of the session out of it and just be like, I'm meeting these people to go ride and, and 
have a social period. I wonder if that's another way to edge into this motivation, right? Maybe it's become too trainer or solo oriented, which again, isn't a fault of anyone's right now, I don't think, but. And I was actually like very happy when I saw the Twitter thread because there were a lot of like invites to, to group oh. rides and stuff from, from this guy's friends, which was very nice. Yeah, reach out to people. Yeah. yeah. And some of the other suggestions I thought were actually fantastic. A lot of stuff that actually was, I think you would approve of it, like turning off your, your GPS and your heart rate monitor and your power and just going out and playing. There were a few that recommended like practicing mountain bike skills or practicing bike skills instead of mm-hmm. putting the like... What are the other, doing, other pieces? Yeah. You know, actual just like street pedaling and a few that were you know just the fun stuff like oh like hunt out a new you know a brewery or a coffee shop you haven't been to and plan your ride to go there mm-hmm. uh, all that all that kind of stuff that i thought was yeah was really good and yes i was very i was very excited to see the the community really rally around this and a lot of people did say you know what this happens and it's fine to to take a break it's okay if you don't love the bike right now and you know, it's okay to lean into literally any other activity. I'm actually taking my sister to a boxing class next week. Yeah, sometimes just trying the different thing, right, can be really good. No expectations with it, right? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, the last last thing I'll say is obviously as consummate athletes, to that to that end, actually, is really just, you know, ensuring that you are still moving in a way that's keeping you healthy, right? Like when we say taking time off, we really don't mean just sitting on the couch and you know, eating Cheetos and watching Netflix. We we mean, you know, getting out and taking the dog for an extra long walk or just going on an extra long walk in a cool area you haven't been to before or, to, you know, doing a quick yoga video or literally anything. Well, and the outside piece, I think, is important, right? There's the people piece. And then I think that, like, seeing the sun, whatever amount of sun you get, uh, wherever you are, uh, you know, so you may have to plan the day a little bit around seeing that sun. But if you can't, that's fine, too. Do the best you can. But I think there's something special about outside nature, you know, people, there's, um, so there's much some pieces there. Yeah. That. And yeah. I think that's actually one thing I was saying yesterday when we were on our, our coffee chat was uh, it's super easy this time of year to when you're on the trainer, like, and you're working remotely or, you know, you, you could literally go days without leaving the house, like without stepping outside. Um, and as people who've had to do a couple of quarantines in, in the past year, I can tell you, like, it, it takes a toll for sure. Um, yeah. So I think it's super important whether you are riding the trainer inside or not, um, you know, whether you're motivated or not, uh, getting outside for that, especially in the morning, if you can, once the sun is up, getting out, getting sunlight on your face, um, just getting that, that fresh air, getting that nature. I think it's just so important. Yeah. Yeah. And it might be just even starting walking, you know, it strikes me that, you know, in a month, if you, you know, started running 30 seconds today and every day you added 30 more seconds of running, right? I don't know, you'd be running for a while there, you know, 15, 20 minutes by the end of the month. Uh, you know, something like that too might be an interesting, just play with it, right? Just something completely different and, and just start ridiculously easy with it, right? And, and see too, but Anyhow, hopefully there were some links. That was good. Thank you for tagging us in a non-offensive <laughs> Twitter thread. That we was appreciate great. it. Uh, uh, so sort of tangentially related, though, was uh, the idea of session RPE has come up a little bit again. It always sort of circles around. People tend to not like uh, feelings. Okay, so, so what does it stand for? Uh, so session uh, rate of perceived exertion. So this is just how hard was that session? Uh, and the idea is, you know, in training peaks, there's the, I, I call them, there's the smiley faces. And then there's sort of like a slider that says, how hard was that workout out of 10? And usually there's a couple different scales. Um, I actually find the training peaks one a little irritating. And I didn't mention this before, but I don't like it because it's like green to red. 
and like smiley face to like unhappy face. Right. And I feel like that's actually not really the point because you can have a really smiley face in a really hard workout. Like I often feel much happier. No, those are two separate things. Oh. Yeah. Wait, I thought it was all one. No, it's how did you feel and how hard was that workout? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Then I take it back. Apologies to Training Peaks. Yeah. Um, Wait, is the hard one a green to red light or is that just the feeling one? How did you feel as in smiley faces? This isn't as clear. Where's the green to red? (laughs) Green to red is the RPE. So that's, it's a color code with a number. So you could debate whether. So I don't like the color code. Yeah. I mean, they often have them in, in zones and perceived exertion. I I think you're right. Like in studies, usually you see it, it's very black and white. It's just numbers. And then they usually describe, um, you know, as going from like light to heavy to extreme is often the words they use. Because like green to red just really implies like positive to negative or like go to stop like it just doesn't really track with perceived exertion because it's really neither it's it's neutral color you could make a good argument for what the color doesn't really you know affect i guess perceived exertion should be a neutral like what would the red zone i guess is maybe where that's coming from Mm -hmm. right and so you see i've seen some like zones for kids or beginners being sort of like green yellow red type thing and and but again there's probably a whole psychology tied up in the idea of like red is bad or something yeah well there you have it so anyhow scale of a zero sorry one to ten um and that's just how hard was that work at? And the idea is that, yeah, do it after you've finished. You know, there's debate. You probably need to consistent be consistent when you ask yourself this question. But you're just sort of going to reflect. And, and people get really tied up on the, like, best answer for today. But it's really a long-term thing is what we're looking at, right? And so changes from your normal would be things we're looking for. Like if all of a sudden we, Alex Coates was on the podcast last week, I think talking about uh under fueling and and overtraining and that sometimes if you're overtraining the heart rate gets really low but you're working as hard as you can and it feels like the heart rate's low relative to how hard it feels so you have a high perceived exertion but you can't go yeah and often i actually think a lot of people just kind of type in their srpe sort of based on their heart rate and their power numbers during a session so you're you're almost looking at your data before they're just replicating yeah and the idea is that you don't want these things to be tied together you want them to be separate data points right yeah exactly um because then you can compare them right if if it's just replicating oh i rode at 70 percent that's endurance heart rate whatever it was an endurance ride so this is what my session rpe is every single time um and, and you do get that correlation right like it, it, i usually have something between a two and a four if it's endurance but if i rode a little harder endurance it was hillier it was hotter i was grumpy that creeps up into like a five maybe um for steadier stuff right mm-hmm. but i also have days that are ones because it just felt wasn't that hard right yeah so yeah just taking that away from looking at data i think probably your best bet would be as you're thinking about your srp don't look at any numbers before you do it just write it down that, that would be a great way yeah based on how you felt and then you can always check how it correlated to your data afterwards um, but i think it's, it's one of those like you want to be as blind to what the numbers were as possible um, and actually can you speak a little bit about like srp versus having rp stuff during intervals in yeah your so that's why you keep I, it's funny I, you don't hear people say srp it's sort of clunky so you can say like just session rp error like how hard was that workout but there's this idea of like instantaneous so like if you've done like a ramp test or a vo2 test you might have seen this 
where every stage the, the the physiologist or the coach or whatever is going to ask you like how hard does this feel and you're like on the first stage and it's nothing there's like no load you'd be like oh that's a one out of ten and then they'd go up a level and then you say oh that's a two out of ten and it just increases and then at some point you'd be like that's as hard as i can go and you you know you stop pedaling i guess at some point uh, so that would be during the moment, right? So at any point during a race, like you might be at the hardest point in a road race, you probably are at 11 out of 10, right? But the whole group ride, let's say in a group ride, the group ride might end up being a five out of 10 for the session RPE, but you might've hit a 10 out of 10 moment, which is very confusing, right? I understand why that might be confusing. Yeah. So if I have say a run workout where I have, um, five, five minute intervals at like hard yeah. so like seven eight out of ten that doesn't necessarily mean that my session rp is going to be seven or eight out of ten it can no. be down in like five out of ten or even four out of yeah 10, I, yeah yeah exactly and you might that's yeah exactly yeah because you've maybe cooled down a bunch and now you felt really good after your cool down and and you were feeling really good that day so it actually wasn't that bad um yeah that's the idea and i try and add you know is how hard was that if i was like trying to just explain it to someone and, and and it's sort of compared to the hardest workout or race you've done so again we sort of conserve I, I like to say like we save the tens right not that someone couldn't do a 10 you could certainly probably everest in your basement and be racing every you know thing on your virtual zwift thing and just collapse like you couldn't pedal again and you vomited and then you had to crawl up the stairs, but then your spouse had to come and pick you up because you couldn't make it up the stairs. That's probably a 10, but I don't know if that's how you want to spend your 10s. That's not on any of Peter's <laughs> training plans, just so everyone. Yeah, there. yeah. So you got to be careful with the 10s, those 10 out of 10. And the 10 out of 10, I always say, are like the ones that affected you the rest of the day. Um, and so that could be, I use the example of like a heavy deadlift. If anyone's ever pulled like their max, max, max deadlift, like really hard deadlift. Sometimes you feel like a little off the rest of the day. You want to have a nap. You're pretty hungry. You just like, you just feel a little spun up. You probably felt that maybe with like a VO2 effort or, you know, a really hard sprint session or, or just after a race, right? If you've really gone deep in a race. So those are, are getting into that nine tens, you know, the higher parts of the range because you've been affected when you've sort of showered and you say, how hard was that work? And you're like, I still feel like I'm racing. Like I can barely shower myself. I had to sit down in the shower. I cried, right? Like those are the high ends of the range, right? So why do we do that? I guess is, is a good question next. Yeah, yeah. I'm also, I admit I am still, I struggled with this as we talked about it yesterday and I'm still struggling with it now. I do find it gets a little difficult the more volume you're adding to stuff, like because the intensity kind of like, you understand that with RPE, but then, you know, for me, I did 50K and then 20 miles this weekend and I actually would really struggle to tell you what the session RPE is because my brain is actually saying like it was probably like a in some ways I'm gonna say it was like a three a three yesterday and a four on Saturday because yesterday I did the 20 miles with my dad riding next to me and we chatted the whole time and yeah. you know I never had a point where I was in the hurt locker or like any kind of feeling of distress but at the same time 20 freaking miles yeah and a big weekend too um mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that there's a wrong answer. I think the 50K, I mean, you could maybe say like, you know, were you sore afterwards? You know, did you want to do more at the end of it? Were you pretty much done? Um, right? Are you asking me? I'm asking you, right? Like, because this is, we're asking, is this a 10 out of 10 effort as far as how hard was this session? No, it wasn't a 50K race. So it definitely isn't a 10. You didn't collapse. You walked over, you got in the car. We went for a walk later. So it just absolutely is not a 9 out of 10 
you know, I but don't know. I don't know how far down the scale to go, but we're pretty sure it's not at the top of the scale. You didn't max out. Mm-hmm. You ran the next day fairly far as well, right? So again, you, you've already talked yourself down. It's like maybe it's a seven at most, right? Yeah, for sure. And I can walk today, which is pretty sweet. And I think um, the ultimate thing is it doesn't matter yeah. on the day. <laughs> If it's a four, it's a five. I would probably say that that one's getting into like your fives and sixes. Um, but if you put four, I don't think that's wrong. Like, you know, the, the the reason is why would we even care about this? Well, your coach has prescribed this 50K and he was expecting this to be a, a pretty, like a breakthrough workout, like a pretty hard test. This was not a regular weekend of training. So he was expecting, like if you asked the coach to put down what was the prescribed session RPE, probably the coach is going to start putting like five or six or something on a session like that. Right. Those, you guys do a lot of these running on Saturday that are sort of like moderate finishes or little, like it's the long run, the key session for the week. So I I think you are dipping probably into that middle of the range a fair bit there. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's okay. But then what we were just talking about before this is the real money with this thing is, is watching for, it used to be a 20 K run was like a big breakthrough key workout for you right right yeah. and now you did a a, a 50k and then a, a 20k and that was the hard weekend right and eventually in a month you know i guess we don't we're st- the time's dwindling but you're going to do a six hour race right and so this keeps evolving what this it's over time but i think anyone listening can probably think back to when they started whatever sport they do and what would a, a, a four out of 10 have been? What would a 10 out of 10, what was the hardest thing you ever did your first year racing or riding? Mm-hmm. What was the hardest hill, right? I can remember thinking like hills around my, <clears throat> my parents lived in the subdivision. It was like, I think now I can do it in 15 seconds or something. And like how hard that climb was, right? And now I do it at the end of five hour rides and don't even, you know, I just roll up it. It's not a big deal, right? And this is, I've gone to Europe and seen, well, that's a, that climb takes two hours to go up, right? And we've raced up it. Mm-hmm. So that's the idea with session RP is over time. We can see that change. And then sort of back to this idea of the overtraining and changes in your fatigue is if, if you got into that workout and you were like racing to keep up and, and just really dragging or it took a lot longer and just was super hard. That's interesting information because it was harder than you expected it to be. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I mean, again, people don't like it, but <laughs> <laughs> it, it's something that's actually really well researched, right? Cause you can start getting really cool with it where you can start timesing the session RPE times the time and now you get a load. So this is like our TSS or, training star score only now we're using perceived exertion how hard was the workout how long was the workout times them together that's a arbitrary units is what they call that uh so an au if you will yeah so you times it and then it's it timed the workout in minutes and then you just uh, keep track of that over time it's like a rolling average that's your at your load over time right the same deal you could do it over the same 45 days if you want to believe in that and then you compare your week right so you start getting this load this fitness score if you will which i actually really like compared to using a tss sometimes because i think we get really attached to these numbers that we don't actually know what they mean or what they came from we just kind of associate like we just are pinned to them and that's that's a thing Um, so i think anything where you actually have to understand your data and kind of do a bit of the math yourself is probably a positive 
Well, doing it, I mean, you can set up your spreadsheet. I could put that in. It's two columns, right? Like it's mm-hmm. the five, your, your number between one and 10. And then how many minutes did you train, right? Like you already have the minutes thing, right? So actually adding it to your spreadsheet, your training spreadsheet actually isn't a big deal, right? Um, and then you could start adding maths in the background of, again, this rolling average and comparing it to the week average and stuff like that. Um, I don't know that you need to do that, but you certainly could, right? And again, that's something that's been looked at fairly, uh, like, and even compared to other methods, because it ties the human organism, you know, how hard you're feeling this workout is versus the power, right? Which isn't always, again, if, if you're at altitude and it's really hot and you don't eat and you just got divorced, you know, the, the load on that body, going back to Greg Lehman's cup analogy, if your cup's very full, right, then it might start overflowing and that's our injuries and our illness, right? So the, the session RPE is actually expressing the actual strain on the organism. Strain's probably a better term i think Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and that actually ties very nicely back to that past question about motivation because yeah i mean as a few people pointed out we are in a rough couple years here and it's completely understandable that your cup is yeah some of the tweets were like this this is my lowest year ever on Mm -hmm. strava and i'm okay with it or something like that yeah yeah you know what if your if your cup is already pretty full give yourself the the grace to be taking it a yeah, little and, bit and I, I like to call that like keeping slack in the system right you could call it keeping room in your cup i guess too room for cream um i don't know if that's what we wanted or not but there you go oh boy um but the the idea of just slack right like if we go a little harder it's okay but we leave that slack just for a little bit of room right mm-hmm. yeah i like it all right well everyone leave a little bit of slack in the system consider your session rpe And we will be back next week with another awesome guest. We have a lot of good ones for January and February, actually. I'm I'm pretty excited. For sure. And of course, check out consummateathlete.com for the show notes. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week. Thanks so much for tuning into the Consummate Athlete Podcast. If you enjoyed this or any of our past episodes, do us a solid and leave us a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts. And check out our book, Becoming a Consummate Athlete, over at consummateathlete.com. Questions or comments? Find us over on Instagram at consummateathlete, and we will see you next week.